You know, when you have a show about gratitude, you've got to be grateful for your sponsors. And in our life of gratitude, you know, we all have guides. Somebody that guided us through our lives, that made us appreciate those things that we have. And that's why I'm so delighted and so grateful for our sponsor, Life Guides. Life Guides is a peer-to-peer community that helps people navigate through their day-to-day stressors by providing a place of empathy, listening, wisdom, and support with a guide who has walked in your shoes, experiencing the same challenge or life experience as you. A true life guide. And because you're listening to our gratitude podcast, if you go to their website, lifeguides.com forward slash schedule a demo and add the code HEALTHY. 2021. The code is HEALTHY2021 in the free text box. You'll get two months of their services for free. Two months for free. So sign up, show your team you care, get a life guide, be grateful for those guides in your life as I am grateful for our sponsor, Life Guides. Gratitude Live. I'm your host, Chester Elton, the apostle of appreciation, coming to you live and in color from the, I think what you can say, the gratitude epicenter of the universe, which is a Summit, New Jersey. You know, we're so grateful for our gratitude followership, you know, that have subscribed to our gratitude journal on LinkedIn. We just passed over 100,000 subscribers. Thank you so much. And when you give us your time, you know, you're quickly making us the number one live show on LinkedIn 
When it comes to gratitude, of course, everything we do is based on our New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling books, leading with gratitude. We really appreciate your time. So thanks for giving us 30 minutes. You know, we say, give us 30 minutes and we'll give you some inspiration, some information and a roadmap to a life of gratitude, both at work and at home. And as always, we have people from all over. We've got, I'm not gonna say this name very well. He's from Nigeria, Olamide. We've got Grepristan from Ethiopia, Muraslip from India. We've got Andrew from El Salvador. It's gonna be so much fun. Uh, and Mexico City. So we really appreciate your time. And this is all made possible because we've got the most amazing crew in the world. It's methods of, like if you're looking for really great virtual presentations, there's only one guy to call. It's Brent Klein. Take a screenshot. It's 512-639-2120. Brent at methodsofleaders.com. Visit the website, methodsof.com. Great leadership training there as well. I mean, they do a phenomenal job. If you want to invest in your leadership journey, there's only one place to go. It's methodsof.com. Well, listen, I want to introduce you to our new friend and our guest for today. Her name is Ashley Rhodes Quarter. She has a phenomenal story. She's going to share it with it uh, with us. She's a best-selling author. She's a sought-after speaker. Let me tell you a little bit about this amazing woman. She's been on the international speaking circuit since she was 14 years old. After spending nearly a decade in the foster care system as a child, Ashley became a New York Times bestselling author at the age of 22. She ran for state Senate at age 26 and has helped raise millions of dollars for nonprofit organizations globally. Her personal story of resilience, perseverance, and survival inspires audiences of all ages to excel and thrive in their personal and professional lives despite obstacles. Ashley's second memoir, Three More Words, debuted at number one. And Ashley's first book, Three Little Words, has been optioned by Hollywood producer, Kathy Conrad. Ashley holds a master's degree from the University of Southern California and is a clinical social worker. Her unique intellectual, personal, and professional accomplishments give her an unparalleled motivational platform. She has been described as a walking cup of coffee. She has been featured on CNN, Good Morning America, The Today Show, Glamour Magazine, USA Today, The New York Times, and most uniquely, and I love this part, on 25 million bags of Cool Ranch Doritos. Seriously, how cool is that? Ashley, welcome to Leading with Gratitude Live. We are delighted to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Now, listen, we've got this international audience. You know, we've got Muraslip from India. We've got Mohan from India. We've got a bunch of people from France and we've got even Kyrell from South Dakota. Now, they're going to want to ask you questions about your amazing life and your work. And when that happens, we're going to go to the Question Command Center in Wichita, Kansas for the indomitable Janice Perkins, JP. So as we talk... Put your questions in the chat box and JP will pull them up on the show. Now, Ashley, got to ask you, your personal story is so remarkable. First, those that are listening that don't know much about your journey and haven't read your books, you got to give us that, that review of your life because it is beyond incredible. So time is yours. 
Well, it all started much like all of us when I was a child. <laughs> and I was actually, I think the most unique part about my story is that I grew up in the foster care system. So when I was just a toddler, I was placed in Florida's foster care system where I spent nearly 10 years and had 14 different placements. What is unique about this in terms of a global audience is that Foster care and various forms exist all over the world. There are millions of children who are in unfortunate circumstances, be it from poverty, crime, drug abuse, child abuse, neglect. So that's really the root of where my advocacy began because I was a foster kiddo. So I used my adverse childhood experiences to help inspire the work that I do today. And I've had the opportunity to travel the globe working with organizations and governmental entities to help provide solutions for how we can create resiliency for children who come from untraditional backgrounds or those who have been displaced from their families of origin. And these are circumstances that can be found globally. So that really was the root of what inspired me to do the advocacy work that I do. And my very first keynote speech was when I was 14 years old. And I got to speak to a national nonprofit organization that helps serve foster children. And I, I learned like, wow, this really could be an opportunity to use my story, use some of the most painful parts of my past, elements that ordinarily maybe I would have been ashamed about or perhaps would have tried to hide, but it was really the darkest times in my life that ultimately beca became the, the brightest beacons for hope and inspiration. And it really gave me the courage to use my story to try to help other people in whatever difficulties they may be facing in their own lives, or to also reinforce the work that others do. Because working in nonprofit or child welfare, these can be really thankless positions, but all the helpers out there all over the world need to know that your efforts do matter. You know, uh, is it unusual to have 14 families? Is that what you said? I mean, you were 14 years old when you spoke. Did you also have, was it 14 different families? Is that unusual to have that many foster care families in that short period of time? Well, here in the U.S., there are upwards of 500,000 children who are in the foster care system. And sadly, my wow. story is one of the typical outcomes. There are kiddos who get bounced around. We aren't really given a lot of explanations. And every state, every city, every area does things so differently. So there really is no uniformity or vehicles for communication um, regarding best practice or how we can, as communities, best come together, companies, the education system, how to work collaboratively to help create solutions in communities. So my my so, first book, Three Little Words, is about that experience growing up in the foster care system and what it's like for a child in the U.S. Um, to grow up in those circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, that was going to be my next question. So you've written uh, two books, Three Little Words and Three More Words. And for those of, of you that haven't got them, they are, they've got thousands of reviews on Amazon. They're New York Times bestselling books. Give, give us a little overview about the story that you tell in your first book and what those three little words are. Because before the show, I tried to guess, and of course, I got it wrong. <laughs> well, your, your guess was, I love you. So when people ask me, well, what are the three little words? I feel like I'm obligated to say, well, read the book. 
<laughs> but in reality, in, in reality, the three little words were not what people expect. A lot of people think of adoption or foster care as kind of rainbows and sunshine, but the reality is that there are a lot of elements that are really challenging. And for me, I was adopted when I was 12 years old. So I had had so many people in my life that disappointed me or let me down. And in one foster home, I was horrifically abused. I later learned that more than 25% of my caregivers were or became convicted felons. So I was placed oh in God. homes with people who had problems with drugs, alcohol, violence, pedophilia. It just, it was really quite traumatic. And so looking at those experiences and talking about them in my first book was really healing and such a therapeutic outlet for me. And my first book ends when I graduate high school. So you get to see the story of what it's like for a child to grow up in foster care. And sadly, my story is one that does reflect some of the darker elements of the child welfare system. But that's why I think it's equally important to share the positive elements of resiliency and overcoming because you're an Initial circumstances don't have to define what the rest of your life will be. And if you're able to reframe and refocus on some of the elements and the things that you've gone through, you can learn that your adversity is actually what makes you that much more capable of success. And with my second book, Three More Words, I tap into what it's like to be a survivor of child abuse um, because, you know, to be honest, some of those scars don't ever go away and that's okay. So the second book is more um, a memoir about my adult life and what it meant to truly have those three little words, I love you. The, um, the love of being a mother, uh, being a spouse and a friend and kind of what it looks like on the other side of foster care. So what were the first three words? <laughs> I get the second three words were I love you. What were the first three words? Well, in the first book, and I'm going to do a spoiler alert on your show because you asked and you're amazing. So if you say go ahead, that's what's going to happen. But I did it once on a radio show and got so much hate mail. So for those of you oh, who gosh. don't like spoilers, close your ears. Now's your chance to close your ears. But the three little words when I was in court and the judge asked me if she wanted me to approve her signing my adoption papers, I shrugged and I said, I guess so. So I guess, I guess so, so were my three little words. And they were very honest because I didn't believe in happily ever after. I didn't believe like this, this adoption thing was almost too good to be true. You know, this family, there were no locks on the cabinets and I had like my own room and like these people were maybe a little too nice. So I was sort of waiting for something to happen or waiting for the ball to drop in some way. But as they say, the rest is history. And I have an amazing relationship with my adoptive family. And I'm a big believer of practicing what you preach. So my husband and I became foster parents ourselves and have cared for more than 25 kiddos. And I chronicle a lot of this also in my second book because some people will look at my story and say, oh, well, that happened so many years ago. Things are so different. But my experience very recently as a foster and adoptive parent 
shows that there's still so much work to be done in communities. And the hopeful part is that there are so many ways to give back on behalf of those less fortunate in our communities. So I hope that my story serves as both a source of inspiration to organizations who are going above and beyond for others, but for individuals, your followers, who are constantly seeking gratitude and appreciation, there can be a lot of light that can be gleaned from even the most dark of circumstances. And my story is certainly one example. You know, uh, I, I'm just so amazed, you know, when we talk to a lot of people that have been through trauma or they've been through really hard times, it seems to me that you can either fall into the abyss or it, it somehow softens you and makes you a little more open and even more gracious and more tender, which seems to have obviously been, been the case with you. Talk to me a little bit about how you build resilience, because that's one of your big messages, that even in the darkest times, you can rally. So what were some of the keys that you can share with our viewers and listeners around how did you bounce back? What was it that you did to build that kind of resilience in your life? Well, Chester, be not fooled because I'm still a redhead. So there, there, <laughs> let's just say I was not always the polished young woman you see before you. I still have a little bit of feisty in me and a little bit of fight, but I think it's that determination um, that really helped me. But one of the most inspiring things about resiliency is that it can come at any age any stage. And that was something I was really focused on in my graduate program is what are those key elements to resiliency? Why is it that I had the statistically nearly impossible outcome of being able to go to college, go on to grad school? Why, why am I here while so many of my foster brothers and sisters are struggling, including my own biological sibling? So, you know, what is that? What is resiliency? But the inspiring thing is that no one is born predisposed to be more resilient than another. The primary key to resiliency is a support system and the intervention of at least one person in someone's life who can be that positive soundboard, who can be someone to help problem solve and work around. And I'm so incredibly fortunate to have a fabulous support system. I was ultimately adopted when I was 12 and still have a relationship with my adoptive parents parents. I'm now married with three children. We're no longer fostering, but our eldest kiddo is adopted from the foster care system. And because I had stability and community and permanency through the adoption process, I now have friends that I've had for years and I'm able to live this life of normalcy. And I'm so grateful for even just being able to drive my child to soccer because the generational impacts of trauma and poverty and abuse and neglect can go on for generation after generation. And those circumstances are incredibly difficult to break. But if you can be one person who can intervene on behalf of another, you might very well have the chance to save their life. And I had a volunteer in my life who was a CASA, court-appointed special advocate. It's a volunteer program that can be found in most parts of the country. Here in Florida, where I'm from, they're called guardian ad litems. So look in your community if you're interested in working with this population or learning more about the child welfare system, because these are volunteers, and I had one. She was a woman who had a little bit of time and a really big heart. And because she said that, hey, 
hey, there's a kid in my community who doesn't have clothes, who isn't getting her teeth clean, who needs school supplies. You know, she was that fellow stubborn woman who was a voice. And ultimately, she helped get me out of foster care and find me the adoptive family that was really transformative. Excellent. Well, you know, we got a bunch of questions coming in. So let's go to JP in Wichita, Kansas for the Question Command Center. JP, it sounds like there's a lot of chatter out there. There's a lot of chatter, Ashley. And I just want to tell you, I want to reach to the screen and just hug you. Your energy is palpable. I love it. And um, Curiel from South Dakota wants to ask you about your affirmations or mantras that you carry with you. What helps you stay on track? A big part of what helps me stay on track is this idea of, you know, people really talk about your negative triggers. So being able to identify the things in your life that make you uncomfortable, but it's equally important to know the things that bring you joy and a smile and make things okay. And for me, I kind of let my silly fly. And I think being able to shed a lot of the shame that I carried with me for so much of my life um, has been really important. And I think it's sort of also helpful that I double as a play therapist periodically. And so I get to like play with toys, but let's let's be real here. Like my office has a unicorn pillow and you can't even see it, but I, oh, I think you can a little bit on one side, but I've got a chicken. We have therapy chickens. I think it's so important to have levity to even intense situations. And one of my coping mechanisms has always been journaling and I've always enjoyed writing and the arts. So find not only those toxic elements that might set you on a dark path or make you feel less or unproductive, just as we're trying to rid ourselves of toxicity, you want to be sure to find the things that make you happy. And it could be something as small as like a sparkly headband or a fun <laughs> pillow in your office, whatever it is, you know, fabulous orange glasses, like someone else on the panel this morning, <laughs> whatever those, those momentary, it can be music or a smell or a sight. Find the positivity in your life and allow yourself to indulge. Treat yourself as you treat everyone else because you know you are putting yourself out there for others and working so hard on behalf of friends, family, children, spouses. What if you turned a little bit of that energy onto yourself and give yourself permission to do that? Excellent. So where do people go to find more about your work? What website would you send them to? My primary website is roads-corner.com, my last name, um, but I'm also on social media. I feel like a little bit of a dinosaur <laughs> on the platforms, but I'm a real person and with a real determination to give back and help and serve. So please feel free to check me out on the internet, pop a name in the old Google search, uh, whatever your, your favorite source of gathering information might be. Excellent. You know, it's uh, we, we've got a wonderful sponsor. You know, we talk about where do you go to get help? Where do you go to like invest in yourself? And we have a wonderful sponsor, methodsof.com. And, you know, it's, it's really great. You can go there, invest in your leadership journey. I love people that are students of leadership. You know, it's uh, 100 coaches. It's powered by the 100 coaches. It's methods. Uh, Marshall Goldsmith is there, the world's leading executive coach. Just talked to Martin Lindstrom today. Actually, brilliant branding. We got Hortense Le Gentil. She talks about putting things in alignment and helping women rise with Sally Helgeson. I even have a course on there on teamwork. So to learn more, go to methodsof.com. Now, 
because you're a listener and you've participated in our show, we have a great offer for you, a 50% discount. As you go through and you select the courses you want, just go to the checkout, put in Gratitude 2021. You get a 50% discount. It's a great deal. Methodsof.com. Invest in your leadership journey. Well, listen, we've got more questions. So, JP, I want to go back to you because there's some great questions about how do you inspire people and what are the changes? So, JP, take it away. Hey, Ashley, uh, Morali from India asked, what was the turning point in your life? And then he also asked for some happy comments from people who have read your book. <laughs> some really big turning points in my life were actually ones that I thought were going to be the moments that broke me. I was in one foster home where we were, again, beaten, starved, locked outside, forced to swallow hot sauce. There were 16 kids sharing two bedrooms in a very small trailer home. And we, I mean, these were just awful circumstances. But I was the kind of kid that was like, man, this this sort of stinks. And so I would go to school and I would tell my teachers or educators or anyone that would listen to me, I would tell them what was going on in this home. And I had no idea what was going to happen, but eventually I was removed from this foster home because I was causing too much trouble. But fast forward many years, and I know we have like 10 minutes, so full disclosure, this is actually how I am in real life. When they say I'm a walking cup of coffee, it's because I'm kind of all over the place. But if I'm ever really like this in a kind of professional platform, people would have no idea what I'm talking about. But I know we got to get through a whole lot of story really quickly. So here we go. <laughs> fast forwarding going to move on a little faster. When I was a teenager, I was sitting in the living room with my adoptive parents watching the news and up on the screen popped two mug shots. They were the arrest photos of those former foster parents. They had been arrested on over 42 counts of felony child abuse with torture. So finally, there was evidence that somebody was listening to the children. And that was a huge turning point in my life as a teenager, because it gave me the opportunity to be kind of like a Ashley Brockovich. And unfortunately for my adoptive parents around that time, I had actually watched the movie Aaron Brockovich. And I was like, hey, I want one of those class action thingies. There were so many kids in foster care being abused and neglected, or even kids who are in dangerous situations in their home who are falling through the cracks because there's no one to speak for them. And so going through this whole process of having class action lawsuits in the state of Florida, it helped change laws and policy and legislation. And so that really helped inform um, a lot of the advocacy that I do today. And here was this hideously nearly fatal situation in this horribly abusive foster home that ultimately became a case that hopefully helped change laws and practices for other kids in care to um, give them a fighting chance as well. So that was just one example of how something really dark and horrific in my life turned into something really meaningful um, and certainly something that I carry with me to this day. And I remember my fourth grade teacher gave me my very first book, which was Anne of Green Gables. And I was like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's up with all of these orphans who have red hair and their names start with the letter A. 
I was sensing a little bit of a pattern here, but just a teacher giving me a book started inspiring my love of literature and writing and journaling. Um, and so certainly the school system was a tremendous inspiration going to school. I wasn't beaten. I wasn't starved. I got wonderful feedback from teachers who maybe were a little afraid of me or didn't know what to expect. But that really served me well because I dreamt of going to college. When I was a teenager, I started doing scholarship contests and essay contests. And one of my bigger wins was an essay contest for the New York Times Magazine. And they asked you to write about a day that was really life-changing. And I wrote an essay as a teenager called Three Little Words. And ultimately, um, that essay, I won first place. Yes. Uh, and from that, publishers <laughs> contacted me interested in hearing that full story. And that's how my first book came about, actually, when I was a teenager. So that's, Excellent. again, another example of those small acts of kindness and how things can come full circle. Okay, we got time for one more question if you promise to keep your answer short. Okay, so JP, pick one more of those great questions and uh, and then we'll start to do the wrap up. You, you are amazing. You are a walking cup of coffee. I would agree with everything people said. So JP, one more question. I'm going to disagree. I think she's a shot of espresso, right? Um, how can <laughs> teachers and adults, Ashley, be better advocates and look out for kids who are in bad situations? How can we help? The yeah, short no, no, answer actually, is in less than in less than 30 seconds, you have to answer this question. Okay, go. <laughs> Google trauma-informed classrooms. So my organization, we also do continuing education credits, um, trauma-informed classrooms. Everyone, every kind of provider should be trauma-informed. Great place to start. And if you're curious, reach out to us and we'll come out and do a training. Excellent. You know, I, I love all the comments that are coming in. We've got Zaya and he says, big kudos to you, Ashley. I'm definitely hearing more and more about fostering from many public personas. Well, listen, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you've talked a lot about gratitude in your journey, the people that you're grateful for that looked out for you. And so I'm curious, where did you find your gratitude today? My gratitude today stems from watching my children grow. Because I had someone who volunteered to intervene on behalf of my life, that cycle of abuse is broken. And so now, even though I had a horrific upbringing, my biological mother had such difficulties, was a teen parent in foster care herself, but I look at my children and the most traumatic thing in their lives right now is broccoli. So just seeing them uh, playing sports and going to school and knowing that they will never know what it is to be hungry or afraid or wonder where they're going to sleep at night. Those things are um, just absolutely beautiful. And it's all because of the, the community members who took a chance on a little foster kid. And um, I'm thrilled to be a part of the community that I, I'm in um, and be an active participant in the change happening around me. Isn't that great? Put it in perspective, you know, being starved, abused and beaten and having to eat broccoli. It, yeah, it's not quite on the same level, is it? That's that's awesome. <laughs> hey, listen, tell us one more tell us one more time where we can find information and get to know you better and buy your books. More information can be found at roads-quarter.com or on social media and my books can be found anywhere your favorite books are sold. That is awesome. So, as we wrap up, we've just got a couple minutes left. We've had a wonderful, engaging conversation. Your story is inspiring. Your advocacy is even more inspiring. So if there's one thing you want people to take away from this conversation today, that one nugget, what would it be? 
the one nugget I hope your listeners and viewers will take away is that you have the prospect to make such an incredible difference in the lives of others or for yourself. Healing is attainable, but also because you are strong, because you are a survivor, don't be afraid to ask for help. That doesn't make you weak. That doesn't make you vulnerable. I'm now a therapist, so I'm a really big fan of having people to brainstorm with. Reach out to your community and take care of yourself as you're taking care of others. Make sure that you are filling your cup before you're giving everybody else a drink. Or as JP would say, that shot of espresso that we are now going to call Ashley Rose Porter. <laughs> hey, um, stick around because we're going to do some fun things at the end. But I want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the folks that, that produce these amazing shows for us. I mean, it's Brent Klein. If you're doing stuff online and you need a great producer, seriously, there's only one guy to call. His name is Brent Klein. He can be used at Brent at methodsofleaders.com, 512 639 2120, take a screenshot. And don't forget, if you're in your leadership journey, invest in yourself. You know, it's powered by the 100 coaches. It's a 50% discount when you check out. Go to methodsof.com, put in gratitude 2021 at checkout and save 50%. Now, our wonderful publisher, you know, they, they have got produced a great commercial for us. We, we want you to buy our books. It's Harper Business. Alan Mulally, the, the guy that saved the Ford Motor Company, said, I love, love, love this book. Not so subtle. Buy me, buy me, buy me. Hey, listen, our new book, uh, Anxiety at Work, has come out. We love that book. One of the strategies is to use gratitude. You know, there's a lot of crazy stuff out there in the workplace. Anxiety is the number one issue in the workplace today. Treat yourself to eight strategies that can lower those anxieties. Well, listen, sign up for our gratitude journal on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for your time. We love our gratitude community. Now we got a blank box in the middle. I think JP is out there somewhere. This is our team. Our tradition, Ashley, is we dance it out. So Brent, ramp up the music. Ashley, give us your best dance moves. We'll see you next week at 1 o'clock. Thank you, friends. Thank you, Christy in Atlanta, Georgia, that does all those wonderful guests. Ashley, welcome to JP, don't know where you are. Wichita, Kansas. Be grateful. Be kind. Be absurdist. Ashley, you're amazing. Stick around. Love you guys. Brent, take us out, baby.